Hey everyone, Barry and Paul here just before we kick off the show uh, with some uh, uh, really unfortunate news. We found out there uh, a couple of days ago that a long-time listener, uh, emailer, contributor and and, and friend of the show, uh, uh, Scott McAvoy, did pass away um, uh, somewhat to to our surprise, which was horrible, horrible news for us to hear. Um, and I can only imagine how uh, how terrible it would be for for his um, uh, his family and his his close friends who knew him more personally than we did. Um, so we just wanted to make mention of that on the show. We, we, we couldn't go on without without mentioning it. Um, uh, it's just myself and Paul this week. Joe will be back next week, so we'll probably have a bit more of a chat about Scott and his uh, his great contributions and his friendship to us um, uh, when Joe's back. Um, I don't know, Paul, if you wanted to, to to add anything there before we get going. No, I mean, you know, Scott obviously added a lot to the podcast. I think it would be, you know, fitting tribute for us to spend a little of our time <laughs> on him and and what he uh, and what he meant to us. But yeah, we get the three of us back next week, and we'll do a proper, you know. We'll we'll talk about the good times, so to speak. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, one thing they I think, that, yeah, because there's there's a lot to discuss. Because I've been thinking a lot in the last few days about um, how much time he spent on us. When you really think about it, so there'll be much to chat about. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get Joe back next week, uh, and we will uh, we will uh, we'll chat about it. So um, for now, I suppose thanks for everything, Scott, and uh, hope you enjoy this one wherever you're listening to it. Sunday evening, and so it's time for the 565th edition of the Chair Shop Podcast. I don't know why, but for some reason now I'm really taking notice of the number. When I said 565 there, I was like, Jesus, 500. I don't know why. We've had so many milestones, anniversaries, decade anniversary, yeah. 100, 200, episode 500, but now I was like, 565? Jesus. What have we been talking about for 10 years? Uh, it's it, like you're, you're aging in reverse so when you're a kid you're like I'm three years and seven months old that reminds me here's a completely irrelevant uh, uh, segue I was um, cleaning up my YouTube channel there um, a couple of days ago just reorganizing things into playlists uh, yeah. correcting all the terrible typos and all my uh, uh, video titles and, and, and descriptions that was great uh, and I noticed I, I, I seemingly very, very briefly, there was like three, started putting uh, CSP clips on YouTube. This was before I was streaming. This was from like seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so there was one, there was the Burger Bet is up there. I left them up because okay. they're like, you know, they're they're yeah. amusing enough uh, uh, bits. There was the, uh, it was so weird because it was from 2015 and we were still watching Raw and talking about Raw and doing, say, I couldn't wow. believe that. That was like Mandela. If you told me, when did you stop watching Raw? And yeah, 2012. Me, I would have said 2012, 13, after like Brian probably would have been the last thing, Brian at Mania. But we were talking about a Randy Orton, Seth Rollins segment. If you put a gun to my head, I would have had no idea what this segment wow. even was. It was basically a, a, I don't know if you remember the bit, but it was like, um, uh, uh, Randy Orton got to name a stipulation for a match. And we did, why didn't Randy Orton just say, it's a, I win the title match. Very funny, <laughs> very funny. <laughs> stuff from you and me um uh but what i was really shocked by not only was i still watching raw but i was like that was seven years ago so it was like four years into the show 
and my microphone was still shit i still sounded like absolute shit i was like i thought that was like a year three or two or three thing and then it was like we were five years into the show and i was like not that it wasn't unlistenable our earliest our earliest ones are genuinely completely unlistenable i don't know how anyone got through them but it was still kind of like why do i why do i sound so bad it's because i was just using a a gaming headset and mic or whatever it was you know yes but um but yeah so those bits are still up there if anyone wants to dig through uh um because oh god i also still have all the like when i would stream from the ps4 which is terrible quality but anyway yeah uh that is paul by the way i didn't even intro him before i, I got into my uh my segue paul is here he's rocking uh, the half in the bag uh, uh ganzi uh yes. or t-shirt more so than a jumper but uh, uh no joe this week he's um he's on excursion uh, in Poland. In Poland, yeah. He's. Uh, I. I didn't realize. I don't know. Did he mention it on the show, or or, or did he mention it also? I just completely spaced. I don't know if he did, but he's at a. <laughs> I was going to say he's at a drag party, but of course it's not. It's a stag party. Although Joe at a drag party would be pretty interesting. I would love to see Joe. I. I'm trying to think. What would he be? I would love to see him. I think he'd be a great. Um, businesswoman drag act, um, like like eighty Sigourney <laughs> Weaver in a in a in a pinstripe suit, but it's Joe. I think would be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, I think um, that would work. So uh, if you're, if I you're don't, a- I don't mind what you know exact theme he's going for, as long as the knockers are just enormous. <laughs> I mean that's just that's just the way to be. That is just the way to be. Just comically big. Those are rules for life. Um, so yeah, he's he's out and about. He'll be back next week with um, tales of debauchery. And uh, I was trying to name a food. What do they eat in Poland? Chocolate, uh, Polish sausage. Polish sausage. There we go. That's the good stuff. You know, I actually ten- I I know two Polish words, and one is chocolate, which is chocolada, mm. and the other is kapusta, which means uh, cabbage. Do you not know any of the swears? No. You don't know. You don't. I, I don't want to say because I actually don't know what it means. Um, but yeah, <laughs> uh, it's funny. We have ten million Polish shops in in Limerick. I never really think to go in and get like some really good like meat, get some a nice spicy sausage or something. Because yeah. we, we try and be a little bit adventurous. We go to like the Asian market. There's like a little actually Palestinian run shop in in Limerick, uh, yeah. which has all kinds of. They have they have the biggest glass Coke bottles you've ever seen. For some reason, I've never been into any of the European markets. We'll have to we'll have to branch out there. Mm. Uh, speaking of food, uh, last week I went to a delicious uh, overpriced Dublin food festival, food and beer festival, which is quite nice, which is why I was away from the show. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it was called. I think it was the Happy Days Festival. 20 bones to get in, which I was like, mm, don't love that, but what are you going to do with Dublin? It was a ticketed event, and it was in Rascals, which is uh, not central at all. Uh, it was kind of it was a, a pretty decent bus journey from the train station. And they have, okay. a, pe- they have a pizza oven in there always but basically they got a lot of food trucks in and in their beer garden they had stalls um uh for local breweries to come in and do their little craft beer thing i mean all that, that is always wasted on me i mean i know you're not a drinker paul i'm a drinker but I, i'm yeah. so boring i never drink craft beer i don't take any chances ever so i found the one posh craft cider thing being served and i had that for the whole night uh but also there was food trucks there there was a, a posh ice cream sandwich guy there there mm. was a taco man. There was wings, and the the venue itself does pizza all the time around. Pizza was absolutely amazing. So uh, stuff in my face um, while I was away from the show, mm-hmm. uh, and then I had this weekend, uh, which I'll get into uh, uh, later. But uh, you you had a barbecue. I noticed here on the other run sheet. Correct. Was that like? Very good. Very good. Well, it's you know the weather has been pretty up and down lately. Yeah, but um, 
this weekend, now oh, the fucking sun came out. Sun's out, guns out, and barbecues out. So it was very yes. good. We got, went down to the uh, the Aldi, which Aldi, I tell you, Aldi got some good uh, meat selection yes. for sure. Got some. Uh, now I'm I usually have the five or four percent lean mince from okay. the burgers that I make, but when it's barbecue time, you're going eighteen percent, brother. Okay, okay. Um, which is funny because. 18 is the most you can get. But whenever I watch YouTube videos, usually Americans, I don't want to generalize the Americans, but usually Americans, and they're, you know, how to make a perfect burger. Da, da, da. Yeah. And it's like, you always want to go 20 to 30%. I'm like, they don't sell that here. They don't sell that here. <laughs> they don't sell that here. 18 is pretty much the most you can get. But those burgers were damn good. I had a steak that much, must have been two and a half inches thick as well, which was oh, yeah. just chef's kiss. Um, so now I'm all full, but it was great. And the yeah. weather was lovely sitting out in the garden the whole day, basically. Um, I love the summer. I'm so happy. It's not here yet, but that it's on it's way. approaching. Cause I, I think more than most years, I'm going to be spending a lot of time just in the garden this, this year, either barbecuing or reading or, you know, trying to be out of the house a bit more. Yeah, that's. I'm a bit yeah. of a homebody. I like to be inside, uh, playing video games or watching movies or TV. But I think I'll try and be a bit more, uh, a bit more in tune with nature. Well, that's um, it too. I mean, we, we're 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 kind of com- you know we're we're kind of unrestricted now, kind of in the COVID sense. So it's like okay, we've had yeah. fucking two and a half years indoors. But then also, yeah, I'm similar to yourself. It's like okay, well, all the things I like to do are inside anyway. So <laughs> I kind of have to force myself to go outside. I do like a walk in the park, which is fair, yeah. and I, I I do that anyway. But maybe uh, maybe some longer walks or some. I don't know. Are you anything of a green thumb? Um, no, that's more so Natalia than me, but we, Nat, Natty does grow some peppers and the like. Lovely. I'm not, I'm not that way inclined, unfortunately. Maybe you can get into it. You can get into it. You know, new, new, new venture for you when you're, if you're trying yeah. to soak up the sun more, um, Gr- grow, um, what could I grow? A lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's a good that's a good goal to set yourself for the season. Um, yeah, get get a tato tree going. Oh yeah, hot bury dog a, tree. Bury a bag of salt and vinegar. See what happens. <laughs> I'm gonna try and I'm gonna have to get uh, the 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 prospective house that we're moving into. Knock on wood and all that jazz. Yeah, uh, the garden is the most fixer upper aspect of it. And can I shock you? I am also not particularly green thumbed or handy. So. Yeah. I that I I will have to learn uh, things like that, but yeah, like that. I'll probably just you know you can learn everything on YouTube. But like you were just saying about the recipe, it's like they live in a different world if they come from America, you know. Um, and I I, fi- I find so many recipes online that I know it's such a hack joke and a cliche thing. Stop giving me the origin of chicken wings. I don't care. I'm li- I'm just <laughs> looking for like the temperature I need to set the oven to. Please stop. You know. <laughs> um, uh, I hope I hope I hope um, uh, uh, gardening tube is is more. Uh, uh, to the point. Um, yes. But yeah. Uh, then we had uh, this weekend, um, I uh, uh, I had a, a stag do to go to for um, uh, a Brona suit to be a brother-in-law, which is quite good. Went up the country. Mm-hmm. Did a tour of some country pubs that were quite nice and, and all that. But with the first half of it was we went go-karting, which I have not done since I was 
I couldn't, it's been so long that I can't remember. That's really depressing. It was either late uh, secondary school or early college I went. Yeah, mine was late college, I want to say, was the last time I went in France. Yeah, oh God, that's how long that, that was. So back in the, the, the Coke Demon days, you know. Um, <laughs> The, the beverage, the beverage. Well, Paul, Paul wasn't running around Paris looking for on Charlie. You know that was not a, that was not on the on the cards. Um, yeah, I went. Um, I, I first of all, I um, I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll I won't bury the lead. I'll just jump straight into it. I, I got absolutely destroyed. I was dead last. Um, my my Mario Kart expertise did not help me. My Forza expertise did not help me finding that line. I couldn't find yeah. it. I needed to turn on the setting, whereas I put the blue line on the track so I know exactly which one to go on. Um, I think the people who did really well, they basically kind of were saying that you have to just basically accelerate the whole time and just trust you can turn the thing fast enough without breaking and that's how you do well. I let me tell you, I was pumping that brake on those turns. Oh my god! Because I was, I for see, even though I've done it before, and it's impossible to like really hurt yourself doing it. I was, I was very jittery. I don't know why. Um, I started learning how to drive an actual car. I don't think I've talked about that. In the podcast I haven't yet. started. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just about to apply for the learners. Permit. Yeah, the the god. Well, I my least favorite part of it was the theory test. So would you just get that uh-huh. done? Theory test was a piece of piss. I I I, I actually like the the. So I've had Brona take me out twice because she was like, no, well, you get a lesson and then we can be. It's like, yeah, no, yeah. I refuse to get into the car and not knowing anything with the with the inspector. But anyway, um, so but for whatever reason, this the go-kart was freaking me out. And it was kind of like, so I was I was getting demolished. But I also meant I was, overta- I was getting overtaken, which is fine. But like every time I would hear someone come up my rear view, I would have a shit attack like I was in real life burnout. And I was about to get rammed off the road and do 15 <laughs> cartwheels through the air. Like, yeah. I don't know why. Like, I was just very panicky. And also, it was, like, um, a, a real old-feeling moment because um, – so the, the, the steering is very responsive. But to do uh, – like, you know, to take the real corners at speed, you have to yank that that uh, wheel. And I'd forgotten how stiff it is if you're if, to really crank it and do a real turn. I guess they have it very tight because if, you know, a teenager gets in, so they can't just go ham and do 360s and all this stuff. Yeah. And so you have to really, really wrench it to turn. And my, my hands – like I, I took off my gloves and they were like red raw from gripping so tight and they were shaking because again like yeah. I've I've just I've just been in Fast and the Furious ten in my head, um um so that was an issue and also then we got two goes right because it was uh, we were on this big track and there was only like six of us and so they said well uh, there's another group coming in and they're like they're going to be in your 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 circuit we're like yeah yeah great whatever but they were late so they so as we were getting ready to to get on they had just arrived so they had to go sit through the safety video so they're like what we'll do lads is you can just go on and you can have some extra time you can go do a practice lap or two or it was, yeah. it was like a practice lap or like five or six or thereabouts um and so we went and we did that and that was great fun and like when you're getting out of it the way you're supposed to do it is grip the steering wheel and then grip the back seat and lift yourself out because obviously it's very limited space there's nowhere to put your feet it's not like an accelerator and like i reached back to put my head on the back of the seat and i honestly i felt like i tore my fucking whatever it is there my rotator cuff i was like fuck it this is this is the most old man shit ever i'm getting out of a seat and i feel like i ripped my shoulder out of the sockets uh and so then i got back in and i did my the actual course again with the with the bigger group and god i was in bits i'm still quite sore um so yeah really feeling my age really feeling my age and i got demolished which you look what are you gonna do um so that was uh that was my weekend and then we we capped it off this evening by going to the cinema which i'll talk about later um yeah that's uh that's it for me any other life got from yourself no um i'm pretty quiet for me 
Okay. Any, uh, you got some tunes you were listening to, a bit of music, Guff. I do listen to tunes. Um, you love the tunes. There's a new uh, Arcade Fire album out. I don't know if you're a big Arcade Firehead. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I don't. I don't listen religiously, but um, I'm trying to think. What's that one there? Uh, suburbia was great. You know, um, uh, uh, like suburbs. I think yeah, the suburbs. Yeah, where did I get the suburbs? Um, yeah. Suburbia is a different thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. I'm. I think I'm kind of similar. I, I. I quite like Arcade Fire. I don't think I've ever sat down and listened to a full album of theirs, but I like a lot of the singles, and I like a lot of the the album tracks that I have heard, especially the early stuff. Uh, but I said, I you know, I like. I would consider Arcade Fire certainly a band that I appreciate. So I said, I give the new album a go. Mm-hmm. Uh, really good, really good, really good. Okay, really good, really good. There's um, it's the way it's structured reminds me a lot of um, Pink Floyd's "Wish You Were Here." In that, it's like a full length LP, but it's got like five tracks on it, and they're mm-hmm. just very long. Here it's similar to that, but it has the tracks segmented up a bit more. So you have the Lightning One and the Lightning Two, which are two tracks, but are for all intents and purposes one song. One, right. Um and there's no like fade down into the next part. It just continues past where the track separates. Mm. I don't know why they do that. Just make it the one track. You're ruining um, the shuffle experience, lads. When I put it in when I put it in my relaxing yeah. afternoon playlist. I'm getting the second half of the song only. Yeah. And then there was that one Mac Miller album where he just stuck two songs together that were nothing alike. What's up with that? Lads, one song, one track. Let's just fucking do it. Okay, come on now. And now that we have streaming and digital, are we past as well the 30 minutes of silence before the hidden track, which gives you a 30-minute final track (laughs) of some albums? 27 minutes of silence. Come on, let's just split it up and have the last track at the bottom. But Arcade Fire, yeah, really, really great. A return to form, I think. Most would say, uh, they, 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 whereas Arcade Fire were, were similar to a lot of bands, Coldplay as well. Yeah, they they start simple, and each album gets progressively more experimental to the point where they're just barely what they were in the first place. This seems like they're kind of taking it back to the roots, back okay. to the more simple, understated Arcade Fire style. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I think I pretty much like every every song on it. Uh, it's not too long. It's only about 40 minutes, which, as we know, is a, a big green big CSP track mark plus. for me. Uh, yeah, and the best track has uh, a, a really interesting feature. Uh, Peter Gabriel, back uh, back from obscurity, he makes an appearance. Um, and he's, uh, funny enough, he's on the best song on the album, which okay. is, uh, oh, I need to look up the name of it now because it's, it's race and religion, but it, that's a parentheses for what the actual name of the song is. Uh, so let me just grab it here. These things that divide us is the real title. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if it's actually something like that, I'm going to have... No, Unconditional 2, Race and Religion, featuring Peter Gabriel. Great song. Great, great, great. Yeah, so I mean, there's always an underlying uh, indie rock momentum to the album. It's It's not a very slow album, which you might you know, think of Arcade Fire as being certainly the the last track, which is the the eponymous "We," which is also the name of the album, um, is maybe the slowest one on there. But everything is really good. There's a track called "End of End of the Empire," which sounds very like John Lennon's "Imagine," almost to the point of I'm not sure if I didn't read up on it or anything, but that you might think that it was it's a direct a reference. That it's yeah. so, not not a sample necessarily, but it's like. It's it's really close to the point that you would say 
that this may be intentional. Um, I don't believe he has a songwriting credit on it, which would hint to the fact that it's not close enough that they would need to do that, but it's it's really close uh, to the verses of, of Imagine. Uh, but overall, I really thought it was great. I thought it was really, really great. Like I said, the Lightning 1 and the Lightning 2, which are, I want to say, called The Single, but it's two tracks. Uh, it, well worth a listen if you're interested. Start with the Lightning 1 and 2. Mm. Uh, if you like that, give the rest of the album a listen. Because okay. I think I think they're the most accessible tracks on it, but I don't think they're necessarily the best on it. Okay. Like I say, Unconditional 2, Race and Religion is seriously good stuff. If, if um, you are looking to, to listen to another Arcade Fire album in full, then the uh, incorrectly identified The Suburbs <laughs> I referenced earlier is a great, complete piece. It's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they've got loads of great stuff. Neon Bible, I'm sure everybody's heard at this yeah. stage. Um, what do I... Uh, my favorite one is Neighborhood. I don't remember if that's off the self-titled or if it's off... Let's see. Neighborhood number two, particularly, is my favorite Arcade Fire song. It's on their debut album, Funeral. Okay, so bonus recommendation Neighborhood 2, Leica. Give that a listen. Okay. Uh, in other listening news, I listened as well to The Beatles, uh, the, the White Album, part one, uh, because The White Album is a double album, of course. Uh, Barry, you might be shocked to hear that. The Beatles, sometimes really good songs. Mm. Um, you know, White Album in particular has what I consider the Beatles' best song on it, uh, which is George Harrison's While My Guitar Gently Weeps. Um, but then it also has some utter shite on it, uh, namely songs written by... Uh, McCartney and Lennon, who I find very hit and miss. Okay. Um, if it's not something like, you know, Glass Onion, which is great, Obla D, Obla Da, which is great, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill, is, which was written by Lennon with Yoko Ono, is just a really poor redoing of uh, Michelle right. off Rubber Soul. Um, was that off Rubber Soul? Actually, I think it was. I, I, I don't remember. Um, and it is a Harrison song, but Blackbird into Piggies, which are two of the tracks, might be the the worst come down from one track to another in music history. Okay. Um, Rocky Raccoon, terrible. Uh, Why Don't We Do It in the Road? Not very good. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. The, it seems to me the Beatles are either doing like iconic all-time hits <laughs> <laughs> or really run-of-the-mill album tracks. There's right. there's very little in between. Um, but there is some good stuff on here. Back in the USSR, Dear Prudence, Glass Onion, and Obla Di Obla Da, I think is a good start to side one. Those four tracks in a row are pretty good. And then you've got Wild My Guitar Gently Weeps, which is the Beatles' all-time best song. And then side two has got Blackbird and not a lot else. Um, I'm So Tired is okay, and you know, I will is okay, but there's nothing on there I would go back to revisit. And looking at what's coming up next week, because as I said, White Album is a double album. Uh, side three, you've got Helter Skelter, Sexy Sadie, uh, Revolution One. Yeah, 
We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But um, yeah, white album. I don't think it's all. It's all. Uh, it's it's cracked up to me. Well, you've got a second part. Maybe it'll change your mind. Yeah, it's. I've I've experienced Infinity War. I'm judging it now before I've seen Endgame. <laughs> so, you know. Many said that when those movies came out, they were like, "This is True. like the White Album Part One and Two." <laughs> uh, that's all I listened to. Uh, we jump into the telly guff. You're not too much to uh, uh, chat about. I watched. A li- I still haven't finished, but I watched a little bit more Pam and Tommy. It, it's really good. Uh, I've kind of. I've gotten to the point in that I kind of heard of uh, halfway kind of through the season where things kind of pick up a little bit and it gets a little bit wilder. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm enjoying that. Still haven't finished it. Uh, likewise, I just want to make a quick mention of Dairy Girls. I said I think the last time I was on the show that the debut episode was eh, a little bit not not great. Uh, uh, yeah. Second and third episodes much better. Um, so uh, a, a fine season uh, underway for their for their uh, final final season, and then they've said they're doing a, a feature length special, which I which I look forward to. Um, uh, very just a, a great show just a really funny show great characters um the other things i will make mention of a little bit different i'm a little bit slow on the uptake on this one much discussed on this podcast but i did finally start severance um uh which i've only seen one episode of we may try actually squeeze one in before bed uh, yeah. after this podcast but very much enjoyed it very much enjoyed it i mean that that's a uh a, a real kind of quintessential great first episode it's a lot of establishing stuff but it's all very interesting very stylish it's got that kind of uh, uh almost kind of dream core ish depressing office uh, facade is really really good mm-hmm. um and uh i, I, I as, as kind of discussed i think the the kind of control ish vibes off it are really great as well which obviously appeals to me quite a lot and i think the episode ends on a really nice kind of ah what's going to happen here who knows yes. so um i will persevere with that i'm looking forward to watching the rest of it uh, other new shows um, that I have um, uh, started, I am up to date on the newest season of Barry, Bill Hader's Barry, HBO's Barry, uh, which continues to just be excellent. I mean, I think it is one of the, the uh, probably alongside Severance and anything else that's relegated to Apple, uh, among the more legitimately underrated shows um, uh, on television at the moment. I feel like it's just really, really under-discussed. Um, uh, for how good it is, it's great. It's snappy. It's funny. It's 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 intriguing. Bill Hader is amazing in it. I mean, he's so so good. And also, I mean, he's 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 been good in the whole show up to this point. But like Henry Winkler has been fantastic um, uh, thus far in season three. So yeah, Barry continues to be to be really really great. Um, yeah, and that's my that's my telly for for this week. Um, so I took this week both in TV and movies to revisit stuff that I've already seen that I really like. Okay. Um, so I don't know why I, I was, I felt compelled to do this, but I pulled off the shelf, the old flight of the Concords DVD. Okay. And watched season one of that, uh, like Simpsons, Flight of the Concords is something that you can very much divide into the golden age and when it kind of got not good. Uh, and that divider is season one is good, season two is bad. So I'm not going to watch season two. Just okay. watch season one. Uh, it's great. It's very, um, it's very like The Office, in a sense. The UK Office. 
it's very awkward, very um obviously it's not a mockumentary, but it's the same kind of humor, same kind of awkward humor, very cringy, toe curling, <laughs> but very very, very funny. Great music as well. Um yeah, it's a shame that season two wasn't as good because I know Fly the Concords for the for those two years it was on HBO between what was it, oh seven and oh nine was like one of the, the biggest hits in comedy at the time. Yeah. And then they just decided they didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and it just maybe they maybe yeah. they realized season two was shit and then I like, guess. Yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe. Well I think some of the pressure was they obviously had songs in the you know, the back catalogue that they could use for the first series. And then when season two rolled around, they're like, okay, we need to write a full season of new songs. And also, I think between season one and season two, the kind of, the the theme of the songs and the themes of the episodes, I think became more try-hard in their funniness. Right. Um, okay. Which can happen with this kind of show. Where season one, the songs seem to very effortlessly uh, fit in, in the sense that it almost feels like the songs existed first and they wrote an episode around them. Here it felt like they were trying to, in season two, trying to shoehorn in humor where yeah. it maybe didn't necessarily fit. Uh, almost, and ironically, like I just said, almost very much like season like 13, 14 Simpsons. It has that yeah, that was actually yeah, what I was thinking when you were saying feel that. Feel to it, uh, ironically enough. There was that um, point in The Simpsons where it kind of became like loudly saying that, isn't this a crazy situation? Yes. And as if we're supposed to be impressed that they're pointing it out type thing, you know. Yeah, and just to mention uh, on, a, on a segue from that is your your Simpsons ratings. Oh yes, yeah. Simpsons one to five. Again, I have to commend you on, on a pretty a pretty good list. I was uh, in particular very happy to see uh, Whacking Day get the uh, the low ranking that it deserves. Yeah, I I was expecting more pushback on the on the commu- from the community on that because I was I was being very diplomatic. I was hearing cases. Uh, 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 I was letting people plead their case and slander what they wanted to slander, but I had to put my foot down, and most people agreed on Wacking Day. I, because I actually just not intentionally for the stream, but I just finished. I got caught up to season five just casually as I do. Uh, and it's like every time I watch it, I'm like, is there something I didn't get as a kid about this episode? And I don't, I don't think there is. I so wish it was like flipped, and the episode was kind of more about Bart being homeschooled. Uh, uh, would have been a more entertaining episode, I think. I agree. Um, but yeah, Fly of the Concords is is great for people who haven't seen it. It's very uh, ironically, it also reminds me a lot of uh, a show that came later on, which was uh, Nirvana the Band, the show, which is one that I've often. I keep meaning to watch that. It's not, it's not readily well. streaming anywhere. No, it's not on all four anymore. It it's was, a, yeah, it was, and it's gone. It's gone. Um, I, and I thought there's not a DVD, is there? It's just. Uh, no, it's I'll very to hard to it's, sail the high seas. It's not even on any of the usual piracy websites I use either. So I'm gonna have to. I think a torrent, old school torrent. I do, be. I do, I do have them, so I can share if, if needed. But mm. um, same again, same kind of year. That's obviously a Canadian show, so very different. But um, even a little bit of Mighty Boosh to it as well. Yeah, I think Mighty Boosh structurally hits a lot of the same beats. Yes, very good, and uh, also. Uh, slowly crawling away towards the end of Lost. We have seven episodes left in, in the show and then it'll be done. Um, do you, are you, do you agree with the comparison of Lost and Severance? Um, Cause that's a talking point I see a lot while I was to not watching To an extent. I think it's far too early to say when it applies to Severance. Okay. Um, insofar as, you know, 
you could maybe compare season one of Lost to season one of Severance. Fair. Um, I think I think they're very different shows though, and that Lost is, um, for all intents and purposes, a mystery show. But season one especially is more about setting up characters, where Severance plays. Obviously, you've only seen one episode. Severance very much plays on the idea that we don't actually don't know much about the characters, right? Um, whereas Lost seems to be kind of throwing as much information about them through the flashbacks as it possibly could, uh, and then throwing on top of that the mystery. Yeah, I mean, I think there are elements that are similar, but I think in terms of where it goes, I think it's obviously far too early to judge whether the payoffs for Severance will be, you know, satisfying. That's fair. Um, I'm starting to as well (laughs) kind of come down on Severance now because the the praise has been so um, unanimous. I almost feel like yeah, and this is not not necessarily Severance's fault. I also feel this was very much true of Game of Thrones, and Severance is is in my opinion a better show than Game of Thrones. But I feel like when a show comes along like that, that just gets universal acclaim. I just want to be the one who's like, guys, it's 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 it's. You want to be Simon good. Cowell. You want to be Simon Cowell. I, a little bit, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I got this. And I think this is true as well. Don't get me wrong. I think this is true as well of shows that I love. I think it's also true of, of, of Lost. Is that it's not a perfect show, but Severance. I feel like people overlook um, some of the things that don't quite make entire sense when you sit down and, th- and think about it, which is also true of Lost. Yeah. Um, I think Severance is really good. I don't quite think it's top tier. Okay, that's fair. But I, I think it's, it's I, also it's also season. It's eight tier. Yeah. I think it's S tier. Yeah, that's 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 fair. I, I I think, I think, it it does remind me of that uh, that tweet about the Boss Baby vibes. <laughs> it's kind of like because it was the same thing with Yellow Jackets as well. Everyone was like, "Oh, it's kind of like Lost." I was like, "Yeah." Cause well, it's Yellow Jackets was crashing. more like Lost in the literal of, sense. Yes, but it's also like a completely di- like you know, it's like a different style of show. It. Mm-hmm kind it's 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 got a completely different perspective thing yeah and it's just kind of like if your show is in any way mysterious it's like it's like lost there's a little show back in the 2000s called lost (laughs) it's like if every time i watch you watch a show about fucking a federal agent it's like this is like 24 let me tell you, it's great. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to, to keep see, uh, keep watching um, uh, Severance, and maybe you know what? Maybe one of these days I'll watch Lost. I mean, it would actually be re- similar to what you were saying about the hubbub around Severance. It might be really interesting to watch Lost without the entire culture buzzing about Zeitgeist. it, which is impossible to ignore, and just yeah. everyone freaking out one way or the other. Speaking, of, you mentioned yeah. Game of Thrones there as well. You got to watch that. T- Ooh, dragon thingy they're putting out. <laughs> uh, I have no interest. No. Well, I I was early on the... Uh, you were. Guys, is Game of Thrones actually bad? Bandwagon. Yeah, yeah you were there. <laughs> Fair play, Jim. Um I think you I were think, doing that before I even started watching it. <laughs> I, I, think, I think after season three, that's when Game of Thrones started. That, season three of Game of Thrones was Simpsons season nine. Okay. And it was all downhill from there. Um, Game of Thrones is always just an a, a elevated soap opera, though. Yeah. It was like Kari with, you get two minutes in the Rover's Return, two minutes they're in the corner shop with uh, whoever. Uh, then you're in um, Sally and Kevin's house with the kids. And then it's, <laughs> then it's Gail. Um, you know, just a little bit of it. And that's what Game of Thrones was. You get five minutes with um, 
you know, Peter Dinklage and the the bald fella, and Peter Dinklage would go, oh, surely I will have a woman on my cook tonight. And then it goes over to Daenerys, and she's doing some boring ass shit. Yeah, and, you know, that's what came as well. It just kind of became that. Um, In hindsight, everyone was very patient because we were all kind of like, no one during the glory years complained about how Daenerys stuff was obviously so fucking boring and it was no fun at all. You wanted to go back to, uh, you know, Tyrion slapping Joffrey and said, did my bloody hand hurt thine king, bitch? And then Daenerys is like, I've not condoned a course of action that would lead us to war. The Senate will, will hear me. You know, she's fucking Queen yeah. Amidala. But we were all like, no, let's go on somewhere. It's going somewhere. Now, like another part of why I would never rewatch Game of Thrones because I know it ends terribly. But now also, the worst parts of the show are no longer even stomachable because you know they go nowhere. We were all very polite during like the first two or three seasons. And then we yeah. got what we got, you know. Um, anyway. It is what it is. Um, um, yeah, but as far as Lost goes, you know, I'm obviously very biased in that I was there while it was on and I was caught up. I was listening to 900 podcasts and consuming all the media about it. I could, uh, I think it still mostly holds up. Uh, I definitely agree that there are things about it that a, they never follow up on and had no intention of doing so. And those things are not massively important, but you know, it's definitely a show where you can go uh, in, in season two, uh, episode one, uh, this thing was said. And then on a rewatch, you go, "Mm, that never went anywhere. (laughs) I wonder why they set that up. Um, And that no, and then two, a lot of things when you really think about them, like severance, a lot of things you go, "Mm, I don't know if that really makes sense for me. Um, And one criticism you get a lot. I, I, I make this point a lot, but I just want to make it again. Is is people come out and go? Oh, I I don't think they I don't think they knew what they were doing. I think they were making up as they went along. Um, which you know, if if that's the case, and I I believe that is the case. Uh, my God, what a what a compliment that is that the show is as good as it is and makes as much sense as it is. Yeah, it's like that's a, it's such an overrated talking point. <laughs> It's like Breaking Bad wasn't finished before fucking they 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 were you know they were going to kill off Aaron Paul. That's a story Vince Gilligan himself loves to tell. That, that you know that that show was flying by the seat of its pants. That's just how some people operate. That's how TV gets made. That's how Vince McMahon operates, and he's never produced bad television ever. Okay, <laughs> so so wind your neck in, everyone. All right. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but yes, in summary, those two shows are quite good. Very very enjoyable TV. Uh, before we uh, jump on to the, the, the film guff, I, I have a podcast guff um, to quickly okay. mention of. Um, I've, for the first time ever, listened to a Spotify oh, podcast. Which I is, know what this is going to be. Which is to say one of their exclusive, you have to listen to it in Spotify things. Now, I don't hate the Spotify. Interface. People seem to hate it. Uh, again, I've only used it literally for one podcast, so maybe it, maybe it gets worse the more you use it. Mm. Uh, I just saw it advertised. I was like, I'll give this a go. I'm listening to Batman Unburied, which is, um, uh, I've also never listened to, I've never ever listened to one of these. I've never listened to like a scripted fiction radio play podcast. Basically. It's not my, not my forte. I listen to things where people talk about the wrestling news. And I listen to things where people talk about what video games they're playing. And that's it for 20 years. I've never listened to anything else. Um, uh, you know, I've, I, it's just not really my, my thing, but I was like, yeah, let's see what this is like. And I, I, I like the format, you know, I kind of like the Foley work. I like that every scene starts with a door opening and people walking up to things, you know, it's fine. Um, uh, it's 
interesting. It's very on Batman-y. I will say that. It's very, uh, it feels like it's kind of using Gotham and the Waynes to kind of tell a story. And there's been zero scenes with actual Batman in it, which I guess makes sense because it's a fucking radio play. So you can't do, uh, uh, oh, I'm being beaten up. Yeah. Oh, he just threw his batarang. He was sick. Um, uh, you know, there's there's not really any of that. So it's doing a lot of um, uh, uh, Bruce Wayne stuff. It's set in, I don't know if this is another fucking uh, multiple universe type thing and maybe they're going to get like normal Batman involved at some stage. But basically in this story, uh, Batman is, um, uh, or sorry, Bruce Wayne, excuse me, is a state pathologist. And mm-hmm. his parents are still alive, and they are his dad. Well, his father in particular basically owns the hospital, uh, and so there's there's less oh my dead dad, and there's more kind of interplay between the two, and they have a kind of complicated relationship. And uh, uh, Bruce goes to uh, uh, after a run in with the new serial killer, who I, I don't know if it's an original character or someone from the comics. I don't know. Uh, it's not it's not anyone I'd ever heard of. After a run in with him as Bruce Wayne, he goes to therapy, and that almost kind of plays out like the you know the things you find in Arkham Asylum, the audio recordings. They kind of yeah. play out like that. Um, so it's good. Um, uh, I, you know. Um, like I said, not very Batman-y, and there is a there was a stinger at the end of episode two, which referenced again. This is how I don't know if this is going to be some kind of fucking multiverse shit, or I wish I would immediately lose interest in. But they reference like a more traditional Batman. They, they reference like a, I'll just say it. It's not any kind of massive spoiler. There's like a radio report of oh Bruce Wayne has died. He was orphaned when he was young. His two parents died. It's like oh so, but that's different because we know the parents are alive for this guy. So are these different people? What are we doing? I I will say now. I will complete. I will check out if it's. Batman from Universe Seven Seven Eight. What are you doing here? I'm. Uh, uh, there's a problem with the, the spectrum of the universes. Batman. Oh, what? Not the spectrum of the universes. I'll immediately check out. I have no interest in any of that. Um, I mean, spoilers for movie golf, but I've I've had my fill of of the multiverse already. Um, but yeah, it's well produced. It is a Spotify exclusive. They put out two episodes together um, uh, last week. I don't know what day they come out. I think it's Wednesday, uh, and each one was like a half hour or twenty five minutes. So it's like nothing. It's 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 very breezy. Uh, cast is really good. Uh, Ashley Birch of many many video games is is in it as Vicky Vale. Uh, Lance Reddick, one of the best voices ever in anything. Yes. Uh, is is Thomas Wayne, which is great, great stuff. And uh, Bruce Wayne is Winston Duke, who was the other heel in Black Panther, not Killmonger. Remember the one eventually the teams up, teams up, yeah, the big dude. And he's great, great voice for, for something like this. Um, so yeah, really good. And there's a, a whole host of other um, uh, interesting names on it. They do the credits at the end of every episode, and they haven't been in it yet, but all of the McElroys are in this in some capacity. I don't know where as or who as. Um, so I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so far so good. Um, we'll see where it goes. Um, and if I like it, I maybe I'll just start listening to to little scripted uh, 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 podcasts more. It's something I'd never even really considered before this. But yeah, that's that's the rare podcast guff on uh, uh, on on this week's show. Uh, what about movies, Paul? What have you watched this week? Um, well, again, more of a comfort week absolutely reviewing some stuff that um i've already seen so got my jackass forever blu-ray in got it in the post is that out oh wow i, I, I need to take a look at that 
came out in the US in the end of April over on this side on the 2nd of May. Uh, in comparison to previous releases, uh, unfortunately, the bonus features are, are really lacking. Mm. But it does come with 40 minutes of deleted scenes. That's good. Which is pretty good. And, and they're, you know, as with deleted scenes for a thing like this, they can't, they're a bit hit and miss. But the ones that are hits are very funny. So to give you a preview, they do um, uh, Dark Shark, who is Jasper's dad, dad who's yeah. the, the, the gangbanger who's, you know, terrified by everything. They put him in the bear room. Oh, my bear God. Which is very funny. I, I won't spoil it. No. People do want to check out the special features, but that's very funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, they used to, like, I have all, I want to say all the movies. I don't have the bad grandpa movies. I was well, no, no interested that's in not that canon. Album. That's not canon. Come no, uh, I, have, I have one, two, 2.5, three, 3.5, and now four. And usually the special features are pretty good. In particular, Jackass 2's special features it's like an hour of extra footage that's better than 2.5. Right. Here it's 40 minutes. It's pretty good. Although I will say about eight minutes of that 40 minutes is three different versions of the skit where he's in the cherry picker being the electrician. And yeah. They did three takes of that. which I, okay. And I can't imagine the, the deleted ones are that good because I didn't think that one was that good in the film. No, that, that was the, the best bits. one. Um yeah. yeah, but obviously they're releasing four point five in just under two weeks now on yeah, Netflix. Netflix, that's on the twentieth of May, I think. Um, so obviously they want to hold some stuff back for that. So this is the the deleted stuff. And as I said before, it's unfortunate now for my collection that four point five will probably then not get a physical release. Yeah, Netflix are weird. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's very annoying. Um, yeah. I, um, yeah. So, but I'll watch. I'll definitely watch it and review that in two weeks' time. What you, know but, uh, you should do is you could like you could like just download it and like burn a DVD like a little <laughs> a little handmade. Listen, you're like physical media forever, boys. Yeah, put it through the old um, capture card. Netflix surely will have no problem with that. I won't get two hours of a blank screen. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, as far as watching the <laughs> the movie itself, uh, holds up really well. Obviously, it was only three months ago that I saw it. The first yeah, time, but, but it's great. It's great. I, in particular, I found myself a lot more accustomed to the new cast. Yeah. Um, even folks that first time around, I was fairly lukewarm on Jasper and Zach Ass. And second time around, I was like, you know what? I can, I can, I can deal with these guys. They're fine. The only one who still doesn't stand out is, uh, is it Eric Manaka, who's the British guy, the black British guy. Uh, he he's 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 the one who doesn't stand out at all personality wise. Everyone else, I can kind of the fact that you don't really remember him kind of speaks volumes. Um, I think the only skit he's in that's anyway memorable is he's the guy who cycles into the the painted board that looks like it's going into the distance. Oh yeah, yeah. I feel like he is barely saw any of him. No, and when he's there, his personality isn't jumping off the screen. But everybody else. Does a, a pretty good job, and uh, yeah, I I didn't enjoy it. You know, obviously not as much as first time because first time I was in, you know in cinema with people, you get the shock value of seeing things for the first time. I was like laughing for an hour straight at the start of it. Not quite as good the second time around, but I can appreciate 
that it's a very good film. I gave it the same score on review, mm. uh, which was an eight. Uh, very, very entertaining. Very, very much enjoyed it. And obviously, segue back into TV Guff, they've announced now Paramount Plus is getting a Jackass series. Oh, they're poor brains. <laughs> they're poor concussed brains. Um, um, which I'm definitely up for, uh, yeah, having rewatched Jackass Forever. I think, you know, the fact that it's not going to be on, on actual TV means that they could still be a bit uh, explicit, presumably. Mm. Um, and yeah, if they if they keep on the model they had here with Jackass Forever, uh, and maybe you know don't have Johnny Knoxville get hit by a bull, um, I think that model works going forward. Like none of the the old casts were did really anything that crazy. Again, apart from the bulls, uh, mm-hmm. the bull skit. And I think if they stick to that model, I think they could probably get another few years of uh, of content out of it. And I, they'll presumably they'll try and spotlight the newbies a little bit as well to, yeah, to build up. And I, I, I think a series will work more in that favor as well than mm-hmm. trying to introduce six or seven new people in a an hour and a half movie. Um, um, and, co- and also co- the fact... Go, on. Go, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say co- coinciding with, with that new series, they uh, announced Paramount Plus is coming out over here, which it yes. is not already... Uh, they put out a trailer, and it's like, ooh, it looks like you've nothing else I have any interest in watching, but I'll probably get a month and watch Jackass and cancel straight away. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, also the fact that they their their release schedule has, you know, it's been 10 years since Jackass 3, um, and presumably doing a series like this will allow them to, you know, Keep bringing stuff out. Maybe in a less hectic or, or deadline-driven schedule, they can maybe be a bit a bit a bit easier with producing it. Um, and also, we'll get more stuff because presumably it'll be something like I don't know, eight or nine episodes of half an hour long. So we get like four hours rather than mm. a one and a half hour movie, which might not be as good. But you know, I'm I'm all up for that. Uh, and then secondly, I watched uh, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. I've never seen the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. The 2004. Uh, I think they made three now. They made the SpongeBob SquarePants movie, which is 2004. Then they made Sponge Out of Water, which was the uh, 3D animated one. And then they made another 3D animated one just, what, two years ago? Sponge yeah. on the Run? Yeah. I've only ever seen the first one. I, I I never cared to watch it. Although the second one is apparently quite good. I never s- sought it out. But uh, the first one is so good. Um, it's really funny. And I'm not a massive SpongeBob guy. I never sat down and watched all the episodes of SpongeBob. Or nah. You don't I, would, I would even go as far as to say that I have a pretty fleeting knowledge of SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. I know, you know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm a casual. I'm, a, I'm a casual SpongeBob fan. But he I lives in a pineapple under the sea. That's the first thing. Yeah, his mate is a star. <laughs> There's a squirrel knocking around for some reason. Squidward, Mr. Krabs, Plankton. You know, I know all that. I, 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 I wouldn't say that I'm deeply entrenched in the in the SpongeBob lore. But oh my god, the film is so good. It's so so funny. Uh, great cameos, which I, I won't spoil if anyone's not seen it. Uh, good voice cast. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. 2004 <laughs> Scarlett Johansson in it. Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, obviously the SpongeBob cast. Um, my God. It's it's like a surreal 
surrealist masterpiece. Yeah, that was that was always kind of SpongeBob's thing, I suppose. If ever you do decide to go back and watch the show from beginning to end, it was the it was the ultimate example of that that certain era of Nickelodeon where they they got really weird at times, um, and SpongeBob it's was weird. the king of that. Um, but it's 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 really funny, and it's it's only an hour twenty. Uh, I would oh, highly beautiful. recommend, highly recommend. I think it's probably on what's Netflix or one of those streaming services. Got to be. Uh, again, I have it on digital versatile disc so i was able to give that a spin uh excellent even better than jackass forever give it a nine movie. no messing around uh it's it's so good but that's all i watched nothing new i'm planning to go see um doctor strange 2 in the week Mm. with the caveat of having a five guys and then sitting through a movie for that but um I don't really care to see the movie, but my friend wanted to see it, and I said, ah, I'll go along with you as long as you get a five, guys. You so might as well. You might as well. Might as well. Anyway, you've seen it. I have seen it. Um, I saw it earlier today. I Would you say that it's a Sam Raimi movie, for better or worse? <laughs> I very intentionally did not say that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many times over the last week I've seen that exact quote in articles, in tweets, yeah, I, it's, I, a very, it's a very Sam Raimi movie. It's for so person. not. It's so not. And you know who else <laughs> says it's not? Sam Raimi says it's not. He fucking went on the record and was like, "This isn't really a film I've made." It's like <laughs> I, it was very nice getting to work on a Marvel movie. He was like, he, in the politest way possible, he was like, you know, I stood and I. They showed me the fucking. They showed me their fucking work in progress green screen shit that they made six months before I ever signed a contract. And I was like, mm, yeah, good. <laughs> um, I I saw the movie earlier today. I was incredibly bored by it. Being, it has multiverse in the title and following Spider-Man, you can imagine there is some stuff in this movie. It's, it's, it's one of those classic movies that's a really, uh, one of those recent examples, I should say, not classic, one of those recent thing now where it's like to really talk about the highs and lows, it would be very spoilery because it's, it's, to make a WWE comparison, it, so much of this movie just hangs on moments. Oh my God, did you believe Blank was in it? Oh, and such and such an actor reprising slash debuting a new character or whatever um so there's a there's so there's a there's a big and they even tease it in the in the trailer there's a big multiversal reveal around halfway through the film i first of all it was heavily rumored so that's a factor but i also just thought it felt so flat I, I was not impressed or blown away. Nobody, thank God, I mean, I, you know, we didn't have any hooting and hollering Americans uh, in there. Nobody gave a fuck in the cinema I was in. And it was full. It was a, bit, a full minus like a handful of seats. It was very, very busy. Uh, the, the usual mix you would expect, people my age, people older than me, families, little kids, teenagers. It was it was the works. There's a little fly. You know, let me go away, fly. Um, I, oh, you prick. I've only angered him. Um <laughs> Um, but like nobody gave a shit. I'm going to be really interested when we can kind of just take the spoiler, uh, 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 break the seal on the spoilers, which I'm sure will be soon because the movie is probably going to make seven bajillion dollars in its first weekend. Everyone will see it, and then we can just talk about it. Um, mm. And I just really want people to talk about. Say, did you, did you, did you watch me of that? Do you care about that? I didn't really care about that. Um, uh, it was, and it's not like, and when I say I don't really care about it, it's not because I didn't know the characters or anything. It's not like, oh, it's not like Blorco walked out and I didn't know who he was, which, which is, it has that, uh, post credit scene. 
some cunt walks out and goes Doctor Strange, and I'm like, am I supposed to fucking know who the fuck this is? Like, and I don't know or care. I recognize the actor, but I don't know who the fuck I'm supposed to be, what, think about this. But anyway, it's uh, like AW Dark. It really is. It really is, but not as good. Um, uh, yeah, I just thought it was incredibly boring. I was so so bored. Mm. Two and a half hours long, of course, absolutely completely unnecessarily long. Um, uh, an underrated Marvel trope. Everyone talks about the quips. Everyone talks about the the tone, the CGI. An underrated thing is it's just constant exposition. Everyone's fucking explaining everything every five seconds. I'm like, this is why these movies are so fucking long. Come on. It's just so, so, so belabored. Um, it has some very nice visual flair. You know, not a spoiler to say that they go traveling through some universes and they see some weird stuff, and that stuff does work. There's some cool moments in there. You're like, oh, that's weird. Um, uh, I don't think it's a horror movie. Anyone telling you that this is the MCU's first horror movie, or anyone telling you that you wouldn't even know this is an MCU movie, this is a Sam Raimi joint, brother. Absolute <laughs> shit, complete and utter codswallop. With the caveat that, yes, there are some spooks in there, which are appreciated, and there is some it's the the example i always use is james gunn and guardians of the galaxy there's that level of raimi in it in that there are some cool things in there that have his spin on them that are recognizably his but if you watch guardians of the galaxy and then you watch the suicide squad it's like okay which one of these is like an actual james gunn film and which one of these is the template that he got to play with and do some fun little things with but it's not it's not a real film by him. Do you know what I mean? This is that, again, with Raimi. The stuff in there is cool. There's some spooks. There's some atmospheric stuff. There's some uh, uh, visuals that that are, are very much his thing. There's a little jump scare or two. Do you know what I mean? Because he's Sam Raimi and he has to get him in there. There's a cameo or two that's nice. But, like, again, it's just people are just kind of deluding themselves with this fucking... Like, like for, for it to feel that way, it would have to not feel like an MCU film. And it feels like all the rest of them. Um, uh, I will say that that so Wanda is, is is a big part of it. I think she is. I've never really gotten on with uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen in these movies uh, or the TV show. I think she's a good actor. I just she's never figured the accent out. I don't think any of them have ever figured the accent out. I don't know what she's supposed to be. I know she's supposed to be generic faux Russian without saying Russian. But it, the accent comes and goes, and I think she, it, it's just it kills the tension of a lot of scenes for me. I think she's really good. I think uh, as a, a, a you know, um, uh, I think she's good in her role, and she's one of because for better or worse, whether I liked One Division or not, and I didn't. I think her character is really fully developed in front of our eyes for ten years at this stage because fucking Ultron mm-hmm. was 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 ten years ago. So so her her contribution to the film is a little bit more meaningful than some of these characters who pop. The, typically, when someone pops up in a Doctor Strange film that you've never seen before or after, you're like, okay, well, who cares? But this is a character that that I don't necessarily have an attachment to, but I get their motivations and they're a little bit more meaningful. Um, yeah, and I mentioned there the visuals. The the there are some really cool uh, fantasy horror multiversal flair to it. Uh, this is also yet another one, both in Marvel and just general Hollywood terms, where there's like the genuinely like seven or eight scenes where I'm like, why does this look so bad? Why does this look so bad? They spent the economy of a small country on this film. Why does that look so bad? Why does it look like they're gliding along that ground uh, uh, like an unfinished kind of demo of a video game where they're not really touching and the shadow is kind of really awkwardly added early on? There's a scene early on 
where um, uh, America Chavez, who's the 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 young girl in the movie, um, uh, and Doctor Strange are on a New York rooftop after like an action scene, and there's an establishing shot of them and a body on this rooftop. And that was this is very early. It's like twenty minutes into the movie, and that was the first one. Whereas, if I was one of those people that I hate who yells out during a movie, I I would be like, oh my god, that looks like shit. Why does that look so terrible? And I think the reason it looks so terrible is they they do a multiversal homage to that same rooftop later on in the movie, but they, it's completely different art style, right? Because they're in a different universe, so it has to look different. Right. It's like, oh, okay, so you. Uh, puked a load of PS2 graphics on it and then did a palette swap later. And I guess because you were going to do such an intensive color swapping and texture swapping and and all this other, to make it really look completely unrecognizable, like it's the same location, but in a different universe, every single asset had to be computer generated so that it could be tweaked. And it looks horrible. You'll know the exact shot when you see it as well, because again, it's one of those ones where it's like, none of you look like you're physically making contact with the thing you're supposed to be standing on. Uh, there's tons of those. There's a the bit in the trailer where they're fighting the big tentacle monster. There's moments where the, the where like the the tentacle monster grabs you know Doctor Strange or whoever, and it's just kind of like like it, it's like I can but it looks like it's not touching him. It just looks terrible. It's just so so bad looking. I mean we're we're at critical mass with this stuff now where it's just it, the films are so densely packed with it that things like physical contact and 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 spatial awareness are really negatively affected by it. Um, I was watching an episode of Lost where character walks is walking through the jungle, and I think he just touched a tree or something. I was like, "Oh my god, this looks so good!" Because <laughs> just because it's it's a set, you know. Yeah. Um, and it it wasn't like a really well. I mean, Lost is a pretty good looking show, but it wasn't like it was spectacularly done. It was just that, oh my god, my eyes are readjusting to not watching someone on a green screen. Yeah. Like, oh my god, it's 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 different. It's like depth of field, and it looks yeah. great. Uh, and like this, I mean, people have really the last couple of years, this year in particular, people have really poured over like the Black Widow uh, uh, VOD and and Shang Chi, and they're just like the, like all these shots that they're they're not even action shots. Like the famous one is probably, which to be fair was I think I, no no this was pre COVID actually, so they have no excuse. There's like the scene where like uh, Florence Pugh and and Scarlett Johansson are like sitting on a bench outside a dive bar. And it's just two people sitting outside at a bench having a conversation. But it's like, it's obviously not. They're obviously sitting in a studio in front of a blue screen and they've faked the bar. It's like, you are in America. You can't go and find a fucking dive bar with a bench outside it and sit two people down and have them have a conversation. And, and same with Shang-Chi. It's kind of like, well, at least that, those settings are a little bit more fantastical, but it's just kind of like everything's incredibly thick. Uh, Gaussian blur, not even really depth of field. It's just blur on everything because they're not in an actual place. And 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 this movie is chocked full of that. And again, they have the the bit of an excuse where it's like uh, a lot of it is fantasy setting, but then there's also like they're having conversations in the sanctum, and two characters sit down in like this boring drawing room to have a conversation, and it's like they're not in a room. It just looks terrible. <laughs> it just looks terrible. It's constant, 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 constant. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is good. He's good in everything. You know, um, uh, most of the supporting characters are good. Uh, you mentioned actually reaching out and touching a tree and a set. The other thing as well is that, like, when they do use sets in these movies, they don't look especially great. There's a scene where Wong is having a fight and he's on like a mountain and he's like knocked off the edge and he lands on kind of like a lower platform. 
and it just it just looks like he's lying on shitty styrofoam rock. Do you know what I mean? It's just like it looks yeah. like it's so it's like it's not even just a, oh you need to use practical effects. I don't like the practical stuff doesn't even look good. It just looks terrible. It look it it doesn't you know it, it doesn't look like he's on a rough weathered harsh rock. It's like you are you are on uh, like a, a piece of theater equipment. Like it just. It, it it looks terrible the whole way through the film. Um, Danny Elfman's score is pretty good. There's some notable bits to it, but similar to Raimi, this isn't some Return of the King moment where, where you're like, oh, fuck yeah, you know, these two guys who directed and scored Spider-Man are back to make magic. It's like, no, it's all right. It's all right, you know. Uh, yeah, very disappointing, uh, very long, very indulgent, um, and the multiverse. The funny thing is, like, we they're they're going into their bag for all these weird characters now, like Moon Knight and um, uh, uh, Shang Chi and all this stuff. And I actually kind of like Shang Chi as an interesting character. This movie has some surprise, much anticipated cameos of very famous characters, and I'm just like, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Like, I just I'm sick of people showing up. I'm sick of people just going. Hello, Doctor Strange, it's me, Jesus. I won't say he was actually in it, so let's pretend Jesus is yeah. in it. Um, well, the problem is, is when, when they hit Endgame, they had they had expanded so much by that point, I think the, the better thing to do would have been to contract again and focus on a, a small number of people and then start to expand from that number. But it seems like they just kept expanding. and just, uh, Literally, literally get anyone. Yeah, Who have not used it? Uh, Johnny B. Easy to hear. Go. I think you're, so I think I th- you're exactly I, right. I think you're exactly right. I think it would have worked better as, as a cycle to repeat what they did in, in whatever you want to call it, phase one. Try and replicate that with a new group rather than <laughs> just every movie is like introduces five new people and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it's going to hit critical mass. Hopefully, eventually. And I, I think all those potentially more focused street level things, I think they're going to just be relegated to Disney Plus series. I mean, they've got like, they brought Daredevil into the Spider-Man movie. They got the rights to that. All that stuff is on Netflix now. Jessica Jones, uh, Hawkeye, which I didn't watch, but people said was good, which is a little bit more low stakes. But it's like, again, it's just like, that's going to be that's going to be the TV shows, which I, I, it's so hard to, to muster any interest. I, I, yeah, I watched ep- one episode of Moon Knight and that was it. Yeah, it's like, and the movies are just going to be, it's kind of like, oh, well, yeah, like you said, we've done Thanos, what's bigger than saving the universe, saving the multiverse? And I'm like, not really. No, it's not really because it's 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 like the, it's like the jokes people were making about them around the time of the Infinity Wars. Like, okay, now everything's just the biggest, scariest, worst thing of all time. As far this movie is that constantly, the the multiverse is going to be destroyed if you don't stop the antagonist of this movie. And it's like, ugh, I'm exhausted from all this. And it's and and there's like two MacGuffins in this movie, and it's there are two books, and it's like. They have the bad book, and that is the worst weapon of all fucking time. But what you need to do is you need to get the other book. And what's that do? Oh, it's simply the greatest weapon of all time that helps you defeat your enemies, no matter what it may take to do that. And I'm like, okay, we're still doing this. We're still doing this fucking... You just need to get the greatest thing ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would love it if they... if, if if they went a little bit more daredevil-y, a little bit more focused, but it's just bigger. And the other thing as well is that even though you're, you know, you're traveling the multiverses, a lot of the scenery in this movie, like the places they go, they look like stuff that could have been in Infinity War. There's a weird kind of uh, dimensional area that looks like something from Doctor Strange 1. There's a mountainside uh, um, uh, 
temple of sorts that is somewhat reminiscent of where Thanos throws Gamora off in Infinity Wars. Like the stakes are allegedly bigger, but all this stuff looks like stuff I've seen in these movies already before. Um, you know, let's shrink down here. Show me Doctor Strange stopping a fucking mugging outside a pizza joint or something. Give me something fucking different. Um, but yeah. God, remember when superhero movies were about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, look, I'm I've seen a lot of mixed people. I've seen some people, and some people I I, I I trust, not just you know people with Doctor Strange avatars. A lot of people like it, um, uh, and I've seen to, to my to my shock, I've seen people do the, the it's a Raimi film actually. It's as much of a Raimi film yeah, as for, for better or worse. I've seen for better or worse. Um, I've for better or worse. I've seen a lot of that. Um, so someone might get more out of it than I do. Um, although one thing I will say is that coming out of it, and Brona said the same thing. I was like, the thing is, I will never watch that again. And that's not to say it's the worst piece of shit I ever saw. I thought it was a two-star movie. I've seen a lot worse, but like I'll never watch it again, uh, especially at two and a half hours. Um, so I can't even say maybe I'll like it more to rewatch. Not happening ever. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I'm interested to hear what you and Joe think of it. I'm interested to hear maybe a few weeks time if we can if we can crack the if we can pop the Pringle can on spoilers because um, mm-hmm. I really want to talk because I want it because like the big everyone even though if you didn't love exactly how it was done. At the end of the day, everyone loved the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield were in Spider-Man. It was great, right? For better, again, for better or worse. If, you know, you maybe didn't love the scene where they fucking come into the living room. But they were in it, and that was fun. I want to talk to people about this stuff in this movie, because I was like, did you think that was shit? I thought that was shit. Because <laughs> it was just like, um, you know, anyway. Uh, we'll move on from that. Uh, I did see uh, another <laughs> overdone, overly sequelized uh, franchise. I, I saw Scream 4 as as we continue to kind of slowly traipse through the Scream franchise. Uh, and th- this series continues on a, a sort of downward, a gradual downward trend where it's not terrible, but like Scream 4 is like a decent three-star movie. It's like still directed by Wes Craven. This is before he passed away. And I was kind of thinking that like at this stage, God, four Scream films and 50 films into his filmography or whatever, he could probably make a decent slasher in his sleep. And that's kind of what this film feels like. It's like he's got a solid baseline, but there's no real interesting ideas uh, um, uh, uh, in it. Uh, he still, all these movies also, they do a good job of dealing with the sequelitis. There's lots of, there's somewhat amusing commentary on sequels. Uh, but it's just like the decline is very gradual over the course of Scream 4, perfectly watchable. Uh, but again, I, you know, for future reference, I'll always be rewatching one. Do you know what I mean? I'll never, I'll, I don't think I'll ever rewatch any of these sequels, but it's decent. It's perfectly watchable entry in the series. Um, uh, the core cast is good, but they make a new addition with this one, which is uh, Emma Roberts, who is, what was she in? She's been in a lot of crapola. Um, I can't remember what the fuck she, she's been in. One of the uh, American Horror Story. She was in some Nickelodeon show 15 years ago. Um, she, I liked her in other stuff, but she was not. She was a central figure in this one, and she was not good, uh, unfortunately. Uh, good old Neve Campbell, though, still great. Um, so now I'm all caught up. I'm going to watch that new one that came out earlier this year. Um, I'm curious to see it. That, that, that seemed to be pretty divisive, but uh, I'm curious to see it. Uh, and finally... Um, very much kind of the opposite of a of the comfort movies you said you were watching. Uh, I watched the worst person in the world. Um, on uh, God, it was actually two weeks ago. Yeah, I just I was after the last show I was on, and that was phenomenal. I absolutely loved it. Uh, it easily, I I I I I wasn't sure. I was thinking, was either the best film I've seen this year, or it's the best film of last year. Either way, because it'd be better than my previous favorite from last year, which was Minari. Is like, well, it's better than that, and I love Minari. Um, but yeah, I was blown away by it. I really, really was. Um, it's 
way different to what I was expecting. Um, and it did a great job of, I saw a trailer for it um, when I was in the theater a few weeks ago. And it it established the tone of the movie, but it didn't really tip its hand too much to what it was. And uh, there's kind of two halves to it. And I really was not expecting what the second half was. It is phenomenal. It's really ponderous in a way that's not annoying at all. It's very human. It's very three-dimensional. Um, mm-hmm. The first half of it kind of feels like it's going to be a little bit of a, you are defined by your choices. You know what I mean? Uh, so think carefully. And then the second half is way more kind of uh, life is messy and the choice that may have been right for you back then maybe wasn't right now, but you shouldn't beat yourself up over it. It's way more complicated than good guys and bad guys and uh, a relationship movie where, oh, I made a mistake or you were a shithead and that's why it didn't work. It's way beyond that. It's it so effortless, effortlessly makes uh, the difficulties and reality of just life as an adult uh, see just flow way better than almost any other film I can think of. I, I loved it. I really, the two of us kind of left the, the, the cinema and it was just one of those proper kind of like, wow, like really, you're kind of left like speechless uh, uh, type of films. Uh, great performances look great. I, I can't sing his praises enough. I mean, I know you were you were high enough. I'm, I think I'm probably higher on yeah. it than you, but it's it's great. It's great, great, great. Uh, I straight away was like, I, I I found out, unfortunately, I was like, I should get, I'm going to see if that's on Criterion Collection. It is, but they're not region free. So, uh, oh, well, I'll, I'll have to get the old regular old Blu-ray when that comes out. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, worst person in the world. Fantastic. Yeah. It is the most iconic butthole in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really like that movie as well. I, I will echo all the points you made about it. I think when we're going through the Oscar picks, I think I had it for one of the screenplays, maybe original, well, original screenplay. I don't know. I don't think it's adapted by from something. Uh, I don't think it won, but I think it probably should have. Yeah. Um, what one? Probably Fast and Furious Nine or something. Probably, yeah. Didn't watch the Oscars. That probably won something like that. Um, interesting update for video games. Go on. Um, so you didn't hear last week, but I finished Tunic. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Just just had fucking baby mode on for the last like two hours. Okay. Uh, I won't talk too much about it because I did talk about it last week. But all the points I had made prior, I think, hold up. Uh, I think the way to play Tunic is don't worry about the difficulty. Just play it with baby mode and play it as like an exploration yeah. game or so than a combat game. Because the combat does get very... It, like, there's a huge difficulty spike and it never comes back down. It's, it's, it, it, it does become just frustrating for the sake of it. Um, but I also, as I mentioned to you the other week, started playing Mario Kart Deluxe on the Switch. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So Mario Kart 8 is a game that I've played long uh, since I bought it on the Wii U uh, in 2014. And now that we have Mario Kart Deluxe on the Switch, Mm. uh, the Wii U has sadly sat idle, unloved, forgotten. And so I said, you know what, Mr. Wii U, we're going to put you back to work. We're going to do a little bit of jailbreaking on you. Ooh, a little bit of modding saucy. on you. Uh, because I'd, I had long heard as well that the Wii U, as far as that goes, is one of the best systems for that kind of that kind of thing activity on. Um, so the, the, the great thing about the Wii U 
first of all, is aside from the Wii, which obviously everyone and their grandmother had a Wii. But the Wii U, for for anyone who's interested in console modding, emulation, and so on, is great because it it plays natively two systems that a lot of people did not own, which are the Wii U itself and the GameCube. Mm, yeah. So I use the guide, obviously, to jailbreak it. The guide also includes software links and a how to how to rip your existing CD games to the hard drive. Okay. So we're not talking about which piracy is, here. The only, the only way you're getting games, of course, legally. I'm just I'm just getting that across here. We're not yeah. talking about piracy here, right? So the thing is, uh, the Wii U was backwards compatible to Wii, as we know. And the Wii itself was backwards compatible to GameCube. But Nintendo, in the release of the Wii U, locked out the GameCube functionality because there's no GameCube controller ports on the right. system. There's no memory cards on the system. So... You can't put a GameCube game into it and expect it to run. You won't be able to save your game. You won't be able to play with a GameCube controller. But on a technical level, the Wii U was designed that it can play GameCube games natively. It doesn't emulate them. Mm. So as you know, emulation, even today in 2022, has only come so far at a level that works really well. Even today, some N64 games, some PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2 games, they don't run super well on emulators mm-hmm. um, just because there's, you know, so many parts at play, even if you have a very powerful, you know, computer. But that's the critical thing is that the Wii U plays GameCube games natively. It doesn't emulate them. So if you get a ROM or an ISO, again, of your of your existing your own ownership, games, yeah. um, the, the, the GameCube controller anyway maps very easily to a Wii U either gamepad or pro controller i own both um the big advantage of course of the wii u over the gamecube or the wii is that it also natively exports the video to 1080p through hdmi you no need for an adapter so i installed a couple of gamecube games on it and they're not necessarily upscaled but they look way better on a modern tv than a gamecube with the rgb cables are going to look of course so it's like the perfect way to play GameCube games. Yeah. And also you have the benefit of, I know the Wii U controller is pretty clunky and unwieldy, but you also can play it just on the screen. So it's not fully portable. Of course, yeah, yeah. But you can set the Wii U up under the TV and someone's playing, watching something on TV, you're playing your GameCube game on the Wii U controller. Excellent. It's really, it's really, really great. And again, it plays at whatever frames per second, at the normal performance. There's no lag. There's no issues that you would experience with emulation it's brilliant um it now i will say compared to some of the other stuff i've done like the um snes mini jailbreaking the wii u is a bit a bit more complicated but luckily i'm i i'm i've course, been doing this, yeah, yeah. this kind of thing for a while so the the uh, the how-to guide i was following was very straightforward um the, the wii u also um plays ds games natively which is an interesting I think because you can get DS games through the Wii U. Uh, it's I think they've shut it down now, but through they shut the, down the uh, store, yeah. store yeah. you're able you're able to play Wii U, uh, DS games on it. So the same is also true for DS ROMs, um, which is a more interesting 
I, I haven't tried a DS game on it, but I believe you there's like lots of different ways you can do it where you can have the top screen on the TV and the bottom screen on your oh, cool, yeah, gamepad, yeah. or you can have them both on the TV or there's even one where it's you know sideways and they'll show the two screens. The two, yeah. That That's something I'm interested in, in in trying to get running. I would like to get um some DS games are are, are very expensive to get these days, um like Heart Gold Soul Silver. So I would be interested to just try that out. I do, and I'll, again for the record, I will state I do own a copy of Pokemon <laughs> Heart Gold, uh, but I, the version I own is in French. Obviously. Okay. Useless. But I do own it. So you know, just for anyone, you know, maybe. Um, but I would like to see that how that works through the Wii U. You're making that, me. Like, you're making me think I should go look up how much a, a Wii U is now. Uh, I don't think that. I don't. I don't think that expensive. Because I was. Because um, I was actually thinking of. I never had a Wii and I never had a GameCube. So I was thinking for ages. I was like, I might get a Wii yeah, online. Well, you, you got three in one here. Yeah. So I was like, well, um, I just yeah, uh, uh, cut out the middleman, and I'm sure Wii U. But they're probably going for dirt because no one bought one. So. Um, yeah, although they were still millions were still manufactured, so I, I'd imagine that's that's probably yeah. Well, that's the point now. I wonder if if because of this, and because they're in in low demand, I wonder if the price of Wii U is going to skyrocket. Somewhere. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, Wii's Wii's go for nothing online because there's so many of them sold. So maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, but it's in, yeah the 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 cable the difference a good cable makes really. I I I bought basically the three different standards when i got the ps2 recently and then i got a hd converter yeah. and oh my god the difference between between like scart and component and if it's just natively putting it out on a hdmi that's tremendous you know um yeah yeah fascinating you know what else is i've never tampered with it because I, I don't have enough memory to really bother but apparently the series s is a phenomenal uh emulation uh, uh device because you can like enter dev mode and you can just sneakily put RetroArch on the series s yeah. and it runs up to ps2 pretty well as my understanding yeah. but um yeah it's fun well that's 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 why this was so interesting because you know as i said even with the series s which is a very powerful console as you as you said it emulates up to a point really well. But when you get into that, it's not an emulator. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it gets interesting. You're like, yeah. oh, this this system is natively playing these games that it's not supposed to. That's a that's what was so interesting to me to see if I get it running. And I was I was playing a little bit of um, Smash Bros. Melee, and it was great. Um, now, unfortunately, as far as GameCube games, I already own a lot of the GameCube games that I would be super interested in, but. Uh, even games that I already own on GameCube, I think I'll probably just end up playing on Wii U. I'll, I'll get the uh, the image off the disc and play it on the uh, Wii U. Probably Metroid Prime, which I've never mm. finished. I'll play that on Wii U from start to finish. Stuff like that. Wind Waker. Although I have Wind Waker HD on Wii U already. And again, that's the thing. It also plays Wii U games. <laughs> of which there are still some games that were not have not been ported to Switch. Devil's Third. Um... Yeah. Did they bring Bayonetta two? Yes, they did, didn't they? I don't know. I, I'm not a big. I'm not. A, I'm not a Bayonetta guy either. But just for I'm, I'm, I'm almost the yeah. curious. Um, and then in normal video game playing news, I'm still on Guardians of the Galaxy, which is what I've picked up post Tunic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm I'm just finished chapter four. Yeah. So I'm maybe like a quarter of the way through the game. Uh, yeah, what I said last week about it is that it's uh, it's it's a really solid game. I feel, but then I feel like it's it's it fits into this kind of third person action adventure template that something like Jedi Fallen Order also fit into the Uncharted games. 
it kind of just feels like another one of them, albeit a very nice looking one. Yeah. Good writing. But it's not something that keeps me, you know, I'm not wowed by it. I'm not always thinking, oh, I need to go back and play a little bit more of that. It's just really solid. It's a really solid game. It plays well. It looks good. I don't think it um, reinvents the wheel. No, I, I think it's a great Game Pass thing. It's it's it's, it's perfect for that service. Yeah. Um, just because I wasn't on the show last week, I, so so where did you come down on the ending of the final act of Tunic in terms of, like its puzzles? Like outside of the combat, was it like satisfying? Was it like the puzzles good or? Um, it gets a bit uh, obtuse. Yeah. Um. I was. I don't remember if you were on. I was saying there's there's uh there's an achievement for what do I do next? Where it just there's a certain point you hit where it drops you off and you're like uh, oh where right, do I go? and you kind of have to look up a guide because uh, no, I think you were on. Yeah, I was, I was saying yeah, there's, I was the, the achievement. Yeah, there's a random bridge that you can cross. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like the ending of the game. I think is probably better than I would give it credit for, but by that stage, I had already been kind of burned out on it. Yeah, I was chatting to some pals uh, during the week about it, and one uh, one buddy of mine really fucking loves it, really loves it, and the rest of us are just kind of... I said it was... This is harsh, but I'm going to say it anyway. I said it was like... um, uh, It was a bit like when I was studying Macbeth in school, which is to say it's really interesting... But it's still homework, <laughs> and that's that's my feeling with Tunic is that I've enjoyed my time with it. I want to go. First of all, I started playing this game a month ago. I still haven't finished it. It's not that long because I keep wanting to sit down to it, and I'm saying, yeah, I don't want to like think and fucking and not just think. I don't want to do this game's particular brand of thinking. I just it's just and like I I will probably turn on baby mode as well when I go back. Um, I don't think the combat's that good. I don't even regardless of challenge. I don't think it's especially fun or stimulating. Um, I know it's it's doing a faux souls thing, but like you can play Elden Ring right now, and it's like way more responsive and and lots of variety and stuff. And this is just like you swing really slow and you fucking <laughs> and you have a roll. And I just, I just don't really dig it. Um, yeah, like we said, if if the combat wasn't as difficult, I think you'd have a more engaging game. Yeah, uh, the combat only served to make me less connected to it and more feeling like oh let me just let me just turn on you know no failure mode breeze through it and by that point my brain is pretty much already checked out which yeah. is a shame because i as i said there's stuff in it that i i do love i think the instruction manual thing is really really cool the world is interesting um but damn the difficulty is 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 does not lend itself to that kind of game but anyway, uh, yeah, we'll. I've, I haven't played anything new, so we'll just jump into the uh, uh, wrestling guff. Um, uh, interesting week for AEW. We got our um, uh, Owen Hart field um, uh, this week. Yeah, I was surprised to see how small it was. I don't know why, but I had in my head it was going to be. Uh, a 16 boy man yeah yeah because they've been talking about it for ages so i uh, kind of expected bigger (laughs) and uh both the men's and the women's they both have a joker in it um so these jokers are out of control um i can't really picture who the i'm not sure who the guy is gonna be the i mean the girl there's a couple of options mia yim just showed up on impact so i guess it's not her but like athena is the other obvious one um 
the men, I'm not really sure. I suppose Cesaro's gone radio silent since he got released. Audio, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a factor. Miro. Um, Miro back. Miro. Oh, yes. Oh, God, he'd be a great winner as well. Um, yeah, those are those are all interesting. Um, what was actually on Dynamite this week? Um, well, you had the own heart qualifiers, Dax and Cash. That was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Was that not the last week? No, it was two weeks ago. Oh, I'm on the wrong. I'm on the wrong gimmick. Here, you and Joe should have talked about that. If I listen back and you didn't, oh, let remember. me tell you. I don't, I don't remember. Hang on, let me find this. Uh, this week that. was um, uh, Bobby Fish and Jeff Hardy, which was all right. Um, what else was there? Um, oh, yeah, you're right. But sorry, why was I on the wrong page? I'm sure I just this is the same link that I clicked on just now. Yeah, Jeff Hardy, Bobby Fish, which. I don't know. I just found myself not paying attention to this one. Yeah, that was the first match in the show. I was just like, oh, I'm drifting away, looking at the world. Bobby Fish, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I can kind of leave or take for Bobby Fish. Yeah. Um, I do like Jeff Hardy's swan Todd where he just lands on them. Though. Yeah, people try to act like that's not cool. It is cool. Shut up. <laughs> um, uh, you know. I want that Jeff Hardy only very almost not at all glances him with the swanton. That is how it's supposed to look, Barry. Um, I mean, surely the logic of wrestling should dictate that the move should look like he lands on his opponent. Yeah, of course. Right. So what's the argument? Um, I, I don't know. People just clutching their pearls about safety. I don't know who cares. <laughs> um, I've got the, the match listing here. The other men's uh, Owen match was Ray Phoenix versus Dante Martin, which... They did loads of cool stuff, and I'm all about that kind of match. But I hate to be a square, but there was two matches where I was like, I was just too like, there was like one or two spots where I was like, come on, let's try and make it look like you're having a fight. Come on. The uh, the reverse Spanish fly off the top. The reverse Spanish fly where they did the the look at each other thing. Um, the setup to it was just too. Are you all right? Yeah, we could go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. I'm like. You know, and it's like I hate to be such a stick in the mud, but I'm like, come on, like, 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 do all that shit. It's great, cool, but it's just if it takes you that long to 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 hold on to each other and make sure you're you're both okay, then it's just not worth it. But they did a lot yeah. of cool stuff. To be fair, true. Um, what else was there? Uh, the, what was the women's? Oh no, there was there was a women's match, but there wasn't a no one hard. The one hard brackets are full. Like, oh, that was sorry. Rampage had the women's match. Uh, we had Wardlow versus uh, W Morrissey. Big jacked Cass. Big jacked Cass. He's in great shape. It's all right match. Yeah. Um, uh, crowd went mental for the power bomb. Uh, great which visual. Great, great visual. Um, yeah, I like that. That that's an interesting caveat of the whole him constantly having to face big guys. Um, uh, that whole thing. Uh, yeah, and so next week we're getting the contract signing where uh, we're possibly going to have like another Labors of Jericho type situation where where Wardlow's going to have to do something to, to get this MJF match. Yeah, I mean, understanding that the stipulations and whatever they are are to come, and I don't want to jump the gun, but did you feel that like they went a little to the, you want a match? I'll give it to you. A bit too quickly? Um... Uh, I was a little bit surprised because, yeah, maybe it was a little bit quick. But to be fair, he he's done like three or four at this stage of the. I'll give you a match with John Spears, uh, you know, or whoever. Yeah, and, and I mean, granted, but. this has been going on for a while now since the last pay per view. Yeah, and yeah, it just seemed to go from he's he's getting handcuffed in, he getting handcuffed out, and suddenly MJF just agrees and give him, give him a match with no real 
reason. And especially since like they um they do tend to go on the slow side of things in this company generally. Do you know what I mean? So maybe that's part of why this mm. seemed a little fast. But sure. um but yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what the terms are. Um they've been good with this stuff in the past, so I hope it's nothing too hokey. I don't think it will be. Um, yeah. I was hoping that the, he would they would still keep bringing in bigger and bigger opponents. Who's left? Uh, I don't know. You, you, you give the padded lope to uh, no BS Paul White, maybe. Oh, dear. Satinum. Get Satinum in. Yeah. Oh, that match <laughs> would be absolutely horrific. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you get the guy who um, Nelson laughed at in The Simpsons in the little car. <laughs> Do you think it's funny to violate your contract with Maxwell Jacob Friedman? <laughs> Um, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, we had uh, more Blackpool Combat Club squashes, which was just yeah. great. I, I like the little promo bef- before the match more than great. the match itself, really. Yeah, yeah, great. It was uh, nice, nice that they were uh, again, you know a little bit of a reminder. Eh, these are tough boys, you know. I know that's their gimmick, but Regal then comes out and he's he's bantering with the lads and he's, hello, man with the mask. Hello, oh, you're scrumptious today. Oh, blah, 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 yeah, blah, like blah. he he should have <laughs> he should have just done that on commentary. <laughs> um, but yeah, that video was like, and the matches are great. I mean, it's so simple, but it's great every time. Uh, so appreciate that. Um, we go, oh god, this is the only thing I didn't really like on the show. Uh, we got uh, Pillman comes out and he's rubbish, and he's got the other two there with him. Oh dear, yes. um, this was this is really bad. Ju- Julia Hart has the fiendess growing within her, um, uh, because she got misted. And I was, they were, they were playing it subtle enough with her all along that I was like, maybe this won't be lame but now like her she's got the thing where she's got the tommy ending where the black thing around her eye is growing and that's making her act weirder i'm like ah, oh my god tommy, yeah, he did a fucking interview malachi black where he's like oh you know it's not my you have to make some changes you know it's not quite my vision i was like your vision must have been fucking dreadful if this is the watered down version <laughs> like oh my god he really is he really is like he like for a guy who was on the indies for years just having great matches fucking hell when it comes to the ideas he he might as well just be the fiend but um so so the house of black come out and they lay them all out and then they surround julia hart and she picks up the chair and despite um you know despite this actually being quite a serious situation she starts to laugh which to me seemed very twisted i don't know if 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 if, if that's normal um and she's like um, <laughs> thinking about hitting fucking griff griffin with his fucking chair and then she like comes to or realizes she shouldn't or something. I don't know if the little thing around her eye receded a bit. And she was like, no, uh, I'm like, I never, <laughs> never again in any company for the next 50 years. Do I need to see another angle where someone isn't sure if they should use a chair? I can't handle any more of it. I can't. I'm so sick of all that shit. Um, yeah. So she didn't use it. And I guess they're going to drag this out a bit longer. Um. Yeah, I don't have anything more to say about it. Fair I think it's silly that I think it's silly that even in this wrestling world, the the hallmark of true evil is to bash someone with a, a metal folding chair. Why don't they just give her like a sword? Or yeah, something? give her a gun or something like. <laughs> especially because it's like this the, chair. the whole show is two hours of fighting and backstage assaults and fireballs and all this other shit, and then it's like, oh, I might hit Griff Garrison in the me. This little tiny ninety pound eighteen year old girl might 
who can barely lift the fucking chair over her head. I might drop it on Griff Garrison's toesy, and and that's like the um, Hulk Hogan chair shot into PCW. <laughs> yeah, the the Bond. in the fucking two thousand. Yeah, oh, it was a Conan he gave that chair to. Yeah, it's <laughs> like what damage is she gonna do, Griff Garrison? You are like seven foot tall. Stand up and just take that chair off her. Be a man. Come on now. Um, uh, we got the grudge match with Santana and Jericho. That wasn't much. You know, Jericho's been pretty well. It was, fine. It was all right. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't much. Um, and then we got the main event, which was uh, Gianna Perazzo versus Mercedes Martinez. I mean, this was a double-edged sword where it was kind of like, it was cool that they gave them the main event, but also why would you put them on last when the only build was they had a 30-second video on Rampage. Um, and so, obviously, nobody knew or cared what this was supposed to be about. So... Including me. Yeah. Yeah. So just to summarize real quick, Mercedes Martinez, she debuted what felt feels like a month ago, mm. helping Britt Baker beat Thunder Rosa. Was it Thunder Rosa? I forget. Uh, yes. Whoever it was, Daly's place. Then she hits her with the pipe. Did she hit someone with a pipe? Anyway. Yeah, then, she, yeah Rosa, yeah. But then, then, then she's teaming with Thunder Rosa for some reason. And then she's now... In this match, so she, she's to me, to me, I'm sure she's had like five appearances, none of which were substantive. And now she's just in a title match with uh, Diana Prazzo with no real build or anything. And I understand it's a title match and they love having the title match as main event, but I think you need to structure your TV show as a TV show and not be beholden all the time to the traditions of the great sport of professional wrestling where the title match must be in the fucking main event. Um, because when I looked at the time left on the show and this match started, there was strong consideration to well, will I just turn it off now? Oh, you misogynist! Something have been a misogynist. I know, I been, know, I know. This could have been t- Resh Titus against uh, uh, whoever, whoever uh, Gresham. You know, I, I would have the same. Like, why? Why is this the main event yeah. of, of your A show of Dynamite? It was, if it was Rampage, whatever, fair enough. But it was very odd. I mean, I, I again, you know, Tony Khan owns Ring of Honor. Presumably, it was done because it's like, hey, here's a little bit of a boon for that brand while it currently doesn't have TV, you know. But like main event, like do it top of the hour or something like. And they gave it a good amount of time, and it was a good match. And they're two good. They're do like the definition of like the two most solid like pros going. Um, I mean, they, I think two of them are better than a lot of the AEW women's division. But like, and and to their credit, they got the crowd back a bit by the end. But it was just like AEW is like the hottest American wrestling company now in terms of like buzz. So you can, so not to do tortuous fucking casual fan conversation. I'd rather blow my brains out. But like, it did, if you're doing this match in Impact, it would be safe to assume everyone would know who both the women were. But like as you were just saying, Mercedes Martinez has not done a whole lot in that company, and there's a decent chance a good amount of people there didn't even know who Diana Perazzo was, or maybe they knew the name but they had never seen her before. They don't know her spots. They don't know the, you know. And I know they that, that Ring of Honor pay per view that they just did was very successful, but again, it's kind of like people aren't following it, you know. Um, but whatever. Listen, it was a good match anyway, so who cares? Um, yeah, and I, although the match wasn't great, I probably would have had something like Jericho Santana in the main event because at least that storyline's been building for right what feels like months. Also, Diana Perazzo wore tights that had, had were like mesh in around the thigh, mm. so they were long tights, but they, it looked like she was wearing a big yellow nappy. 
<laughs> I did very not think that very odd gear. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot yeah. worse gear. I've seen a lot worse. Yeah, I remember your man from the Three Prophets wore this little, almost like a spaghetti strap top, and his titties were sticking out the side. Oh, that's <laughs> that's, that's very great. Funny. He's you know he's he's, he's part of the pecs, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, you had a hangman promo in there as well. Oh, that was really good, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was. But I think he ran out of steam very quickly, and then he just kind of had to go for another two minutes. He had nothing more to say. Mm. I, I think, I think it, his strength here and the strength of this angle will be AEW's done a good job of like you can you can dip your toe in being a little bit of a heel uh, when needs be, and that's not you turning, mm. but you can just you can do that where it's story appropriate. We just saw it with, with Danielson. I mean, he was being this huge prick against Hangman, but it doesn't mean yeah. he's now, you know, a heel. Like they've, they've, they've got a good track record of if so long as you just, as long as it's justifiable story wise, you won't lose the crowd. And I think they did a good, I think that that was good here. Cause it seems like there's no point fighting the tide on punk being the most popular guy in the company, which also makes me think he's winning as well. I'm increasingly of that thought. Um, uh, so yeah, I guess we'll see um, in the month. Yep. Uh, moving on to Rampage, uh, we did get a very funny uh, bit where Jericho had to just sit there and react to Eddie Kingston on the phone, uh, which was good, with a great graphic of an old school telephone, which is what I imagined Eddie Kingston would call Rampage on. Yeah. Uh, Kingston was great, was good. and Jericho just had to sit there and, and act like he was scared, but trying to pretend he wasn't, which was really good, really well done. Jericho nails it. Was. Stuff. Yeah. Uh, Enjoy it. And then he kept saying, "I'm going to get you, Kingston, every every chance he got on the on the show," which was a nice touch. Um. Uh, the opener was uh, Britt Baker and Jimmy Hader against Tony Storm and Ruby Soho, which I thought was pretty solid. Um, uh, good first showing for Tony, I thought. Yeah. Uh, not too much to say about it. Just really solid. Jamie Hader is great. Uh, Jamie Hader, I think we need to let's let's get her on telly a bit more. She's she's uh, one of the she's a good bumper. Good bumper. She's one of the probably one of the more like complete, like uh, more reliable women on the entire roster. So let's get her out there. Uh, speaking of uh, the, the more reliable people in the in the company, we Yuka Sakazaki and Riho both back, which was great. Uh, that uh, was great. I thought they had a very fun match. Riho's always way more over than you'd ever give her credit for. She goes away for months on end. Everyone loves her. She's great. Um, uh, like uh, I, I, was, I tweeted this during the week. I, I assume if they're not on, if they're not based in the US, I assume that's just their personal preference and they don't want to be. Um, uh, because if they if they were willing to move um, and be full timers in AEW, I assume it would have happened by now because they'd be crazy not to. Or AEW would be crazy not to if they if they had the option because they're both so good, so reliable. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, good match. And uh, Riho uh, uh, won in advance, and then we got our bracket. So um, we got uh, Hook versus JD Drake, which was quick. It was the usual Hook thing, and that segued to Danhausen coming out <laughs> um, and just being great. And uh, he they he wants to form a team with 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 Hook. He gave him. It was Hook's birthday on Friday, I guess. So he gave Hook a bag of potato chips wrapped in a bow. The bow was bigger than the chips, which I don't know if that was a, a visual they did on purpose, but it was very funny. And uh, Hook walked away. 
He wants Hook to be in his corner for this Tony Nice match. Yes, so we're we're getting a Danhausen match, I guess, on Wednesday or is that Friday? I can't remember. Um, I don't know. I think uh, but I anticipate we're not going to have Hook in the corner, but then there'll be a beatdown and Hook's music will play, and he'll come out for the save to rapturous, to rapturous applause. applause. And yeah. it, they're they're doing rock and sock, where it's kind of like they're going to be a team, and one of them is going to want to be all lovey dovey, let's be best pals, and the other one's going to be he's going to be he's going to be there for him, but he's not going to hug him, and he's not going to fucking shake his hand. And I think it's great. I think that's what the fan was. Everyone loves Dan Housen, like, and I'm coming around them as well. I mean, I I think he's just very funny, and it's just. He he does that bit well enough that it's kind of uh, uh, it kind of gets over everywhere. Hookhausen, Hookhausen is a great name that people are already chanting. So you know, uh, and then the main event we had. Uh, see now, prior to this man being on AEW television, whenever I read his name, I always thought it was Konosuke Takashita. That was the way I would have pronounced it. But they're all making a point to the degree I think it was probably pointed out to them. That they, like when he was coming over for his excursion, like this is how you pronounce this guy's name. It was like yeah. Konsuke Takeshita. No, what did they say? It's Konsuke Takeshita. Takeshita. That's Tekeshita. the way they say it. And like Excalibur said it and Jay Lethal said it 70 times in his opening match promo. So it definitely said to me that they were told, this is, this, you fucking say this guy's name right. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> That's because, you know why that is? Because you're going to have Jim Ross going, well, here we got Konosuke Takeshita yeah. uh, up next. Konosuke uh, with a uh, some kind of knee there, I don't really know. Um, <laughs> take a shit, take a shit. Uh, well, he might need to after that. Knee I saw someone, I saw someone tweet Jim Cornette and say that. Go, his name is Take a Shit. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> it is. It is funny to me. It is not. Oh my god, you uh, is dreadful. Take his name is is literally an anagram of Take a Shit. Yeah, but that, we're not playing the anagram name here. It, but let me look at these listed wrestlers on this show. Hook's name then is Ko. <laughs> Ko. All right. So think about that. Um, anyway, uh, this match was was fun. Uh, my first time seeing Takeshita, uh, and he was really really good. Uh, I, lo- I love the top rope lariat. That's a great spot. Um, and again, for similar to Mercedes and 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 Perazu, for a lad who uh, the crowd was polite for, but obviously didn't know or have any any uh, expectation for, he he got pretty did a pretty good job getting over in a losing effort. Um, so yeah, that was yeah. solid stuff. Solid stuff. Yeah, and then you had the the usual schmas with best friends came out. Orange Cassidy came out, Samojo came out. Ah, oh, we gotta go off the air. Samojo, oh, no way they kid. That was it. Yeah, they, I feel like it's been a while. They used to love doing, oh, God, we gotta go off the air, my God. I feel like they haven't done that in a while. Uh, they used to always yeah. do it. Well, it got to a point where every show was going off the air with a huge 20-man brawl. Yeah. That got a bit tiring, so at least they give it a break. Um... So yeah, one was... man who won't be involved in any more twenty-man AW brawls, Stu Grayson. Yes, very unusual. Uh, a bunch of people noticed he was li- not listed on the website. They inquired to the usual sources, and and it was confirmed that he was having contract negotiations, and they couldn't come to terms. So. It's odd because of all, like, they've cut a few AEW, like, originals now. 
And you kind of say, yeah, well, fair enough. You know, that, that, that person was a seat filler before, you know, so-and-so came along. But I would have thought all of the Dark Order lads would have been would have been safe as houses. But I guess, listen, if you if you you he should he certainly shouldn't get complacent because oh well I'll be a lifer. If he wants more money, I think fair play to him for asking. Which well, that's my assumption. Uh, you know, we don't yeah. know. We, they said they couldn't come to terms whether that's money or push or whatever. Um, but um, fair play if he if if you know he he walked away from from what is a fairly cushy gig. Um, but as we see when people leave WWE when they're getting paid to stay at home, not everyone wants a cushy gig. It seemed fairly obvious that Dark Order has been downcycled quite a bit, um, uh, and not in the way where they're like, I don't see a cycle back up in the near future for them. Uh, not that it won't ever happen, but it just doesn't seem like it's on the cards for like mm. the remainder of this year. It feels like I don't know where they would slot in. So if 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 he was like, hey, I don't want to be a I don't want to stand in the background when Johnny Hungy does his thing and then wrestle in the impact zone. Um, I, you know, so yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. So I think on the other side of that, as far as the dark order go- goes, even though whatever you want to call them, the smash bros or whatever, were a great tag team. I think over delivered in their matches. I think people didn't necessarily give them the credit for being as good as they were. <laughs> At the same time, I think as a character in getting over, I don't know if Stu Grayson ever stood out from the pack, even within the Dark Order, as being a big personality or a memorable presence. So from the point of view of who do you keep, who do you let go, even within the Dark Order, I don't know that he would have been super high on the list. Mm. So I think from both perspectives and both sides, probably mutually they decided, look, if it's not going to benefit either of us, well, what's the point? Yeah, and I think he's I think he's good enough that if he wants to do a little indie run, he'll do well. And I'd say he could like easily land in in the likes of Impact, but but um, I mean it, it doesn't seem like WWE's mo at the moment to sign someone like himself. But he'll he'll do well no. wherever he ends up. Going. Yep. And that's it, um, really, for the the wrestling this week. Backlash is tonight, but I have no intention of watching it. Uh, uh, sorry, Barry, that's WrestleMania. Oh, excuse me, sorry, Backlash. WrestleMania Backlash featuring WrestleMania Charlotte versus WrestleMania Ronda Rousey uh, in a in an I Quit WrestleMania match. Um, that's one of the uh, tracks of the Arcade Fire album as well. WrestleMania Prentices Backlash. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, pretty pretty dry looking card. It's a real. It's funny that they've slapped the WrestleMania branding on it when it couldn't look less. It looks like a fucking WrestleMania Hurrah. Revenge Tour show from the fucking Three Arena is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, uh, you know that that six man main event that's not even for all the titles. Like you know, um, I suppose that's the other story maybe from the week is that uh, Roman Reigns was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here much longer or you know next phase of my life at, at some house show. Um, which I feel like people are going mental about that when really I I didn't take too much from it to be quite honest. Like I feel like he's contracted through April and I feel like he'll he'll resign. He's not gonna go, I don't think. Uh, but maybe Hollywood's beckoning. Anyway. Mm. We will uh, we'll wrap that up here. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, I hope you had a, a, a good time. Uh, hope the rest of the week is good to you, and uh, we will be back next week with Joe in tow to uh, uh, talk all about Poland and a bunch of other stuff as well. So uh, thanks very much uh, for listening. It's farewell from me, Barry, and it's farewell from Paul. Farewell. Farewell.